pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, groove. Baby girl, watch how you move. What? I got them vests on my shoes. I pop a pill and I lose. Wait, speed it up. Look at the diamonds, they eat it up. Got me two bitches, I beat it up. They thinking I'm wife and deleting them. Oh, wait. Pints in, call up rock. Hello, everybody. Once again, it's time for the Everybody Trades podcast. And since you're joining me again, thank you very much. Because I know last week's rip-roaring episode about Muslim grooming gangs and Colin Kaepernick was just a boatload of fun for everybody. <laughs> oh, yes. I do not shy away from the controversial, do I? you got to give me that. In fact, is there anybody out there I didn't offend? If I didn't offend you last week, please send me a message. I'll try harder next week. But anyway, that brings me to something I actually wanted to talk about that's kind of on topic of, of why, why I'm actually doing this podcast. I believe very strongly that social media and technology in general has evolved much quicker than human than human beings, in particular, particularly. That's ironic. I can't talk, and I'm talking about our communication skills. Human beings' communication skills, in particular, have not evolved as quickly as social media. Now, here's what I'm talking about here. I think, in particular. Interactions with strangers are very unnatural and, and extremely challenging to na- navigate, particularly when we're talking about a political discussion. For instance, let's I'm sure all of you who have been on social media, particularly Facebook, can relate to this. You might be having a political disagreement with one of your friends, perhaps a coworker, uh, an acquaintance, whatever, and then suddenly another person who you've never met in your entire life, they start chiming in. Now suddenly you're in you're playing you're not playing man to man defense now you're playing zone defense cuz you're the one man back on a two on one fast break and that is not a natural conversation that anybody should ever have like why should i be talk like it's impossible to talk to two people at the exact same time unless you're having the same conversation the problem is you end up having two separate conversations with different people and by the way, this is across political political barriers, aisles. This is all about all of humanity and our interactions. For whatever reason, it just seems like people, including, I have to include myself in this, we end up coming across a lot more coarse, possibly, and a lot more, I don't know, hardcore or immovable on our views than perhaps we want to be. But that's one of the problems with uh, the written word, particularly, particularly, boy, I am, it's easy for me to say, particularly in a environment where there are serious conversations being had and we're volleying quick, quick little hits back and forth. It's not like we're trading opinion columns here. We're trading little quick thoughts, quick statements back and forth. And the problem is there seems to be very little listening that happens in these conversations. Very few people are actually heard, and questions that people bring up are not addressed. And I've had these interactions with people that I'm friends with that haven't gone particularly satisfying. They haven't been satisfying at all for either one of us, I don't think. In fact, when I usually get into these types of debates these days, I usually hate myself by the end of it, whether it's with my friend or with a stranger. I don't know, for whatever reason, even if it just ends up being a one-on-one basic talk between me and somebody I'm good friends with, it seems like it's almost like how people would behave if a camera was placed at the corner of, of a busy city block. 
suddenly people's behavior would be different than it otherwise would have been. See, it's almost like it's not a conversation. Now it's a public it's a public debate and a public forum. So now we're just trying to score political points against each other. And that brings me to why I'm on this podcast. I think the podcast medium is so much better than that. It's so much more helpful than that. I think you can actually advance the ball forward with your ideas and you can actually check your own ideas and evolve your own thinking in a way that is less competitive. For whatever reason, this medium is totally conducive to conversations, and I believe that social media is actually conducive to fighting. It's basically conducive to being combative. Like I've found that I, I've gotten in combative arguments when I absolutely didn't even mean to. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying I'm not to blame. I'm just saying I that was not my intention at all, and suddenly we're here. And I've, I this is not unique to me at all. I've seen this over and over and over again with lots of people. And it just, once again, it's an unnatural thing. I mean, there are times when you can make a point and then somebody responds to you eight hours later. Now, all of a sudden, you're sucked back into this conversation. It's taken up hours of your energy, but really nothing has been done with your time. I just find it to be this bizarre sort of phenomenon where we feel like in our brains there's some sort of dopamine that must be being released when we make these comments and maybe a few people hit the like button. But it doesn't seem to me that anybody ever really has their mind changed in that particular medium. So what I'm trying to say is, is I'm going to spend a lot less time and have been spending a lot less time in that medium. And I think this medium is much better. I, I frankly think that I come across personally a lot more likable in this medium than I do in social media. I'm still going to post on Twitter sometimes, share some links here and there. But as far as actually getting into a back and forth with somebody, I've discovered that that is an utter waste of my time. And I encourage all of you to make the same decision. Let's, let's try to come together. Let's actually talk to each other. Believe me, I'm not saying that I don't want to hear from people who disagree with me. It's actually quite the opposite. If you're hearing this, feel free to actually hit me up on social media at, at everybody trades on Twitter, at everybody trades on Facebook, Instagram, whatever your, whatever your platform is, hit me a message and you can come on this, this podcast whenever you want. What I'm not going to do is spend hours and hours going back and forth with you for days on end in a pointless argument where we're trying to score points on each other. I'm not, I'm done with that. If you want to have a dialogue, a real conversation, please, I will call you up, give you my private number. We can do this thing. I can't wait for that. I invite a conversation. I don't invite somebody just trying to waste my time and make political points. That's the part of social media that I'm done with. And now... One thing I'm actually not done with after taking a year's hiatus last season is fantasy baseball. Yes, I've been playing fantasy baseball since I was about 13 or 14 years old. And you might think, oh God, who cares? Baseball is so boring. Okay, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, is fantasy baseball and just any type of fantasy sports, but particularly baseball in my opinion, because it's so long and you can gather so much data to get patterns and what have you. Really, baseball and investing, fantasy I should say, are 
any type of endeavor really, is all about successfully predicting what is going to happen in the future. And I've been an excellent player of this silly game over the years, and the reason for that is actually why I also fancy myself a pretty good investor. It's because I am a miner of takes. And what is that? What am I trying to say there? Well, what I'm trying to say is the reason I'm great at fantasy baseball, and I will pat myself on the bat and put my record up against about anybody, the reason I'm great is not because I'm a genius as far as the game of baseball goes. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know the game, I know the good players, I know what is a successful play, what's an unsuccessful play, the basics, but I'm no scout. I don't frankly watch that much baseball anymore. The last few years, I catch my local team like most fans these days, but again, like most fans, I'm not sitting around and watching the Phillies on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock to see if Sir Anthony Dominguez can close down his latest hold. That's just something that I'm not doing. But what I can do is figure out little patterns and statistics and the things that other people are doing rightly and wrongly that are going to work for me. Now, you see, that gets me back to the idea of mining for takes. You see, just like in the stock market and the fantasy baseball game, the, the, the market of those takes... You're going to read various different people who you like regularly. And you're going to read, very, like for example, Jim Cramer on his show, Mad Money on CNBC every night, and the various different forms his brand takes. He's going to give you a lot of different stock market takes. The point is, is Jim is going to be right on some. He's going to be wrong on some. Just like Eric Carabell or Tristan Cockroft at ESPN are going to be right about the values of some players, and they're going to be wrong about the values of some players in the fantasy baseball realm. The point is, is you must then hone your judgment about these various takes. Because in reality, you're not going to have as much time as an amateur investor to spend coming up with takes that they are, to go through the amount of information that they're going to go through. This is their profession. What's up? What it's, what it's going to be, the challenge for you is there's so much noise out there, and no matter what these days the topic of your interest is, there's going to be a lot of noise. The challenge these days is filtering out the bad noise and filtering in the good noise. You see, back in the day, before the whole internet era, it was difficult to get news about stocks that was outside of the basic national newspapers that you could get, your local newspaper. Now today, if if you have a, own a company that's in, say, St. Louis, and you live in Seattle, it's now really easy to access the local St. Louis newspapers from Seattle. Back in the day, that was virtually impossible to do. So once again, you almost have too much information at this point. We almost, almost all of us have too much information. So it's now it's become a challenge of just ignoring all of the stuff that doesn't matter and bringing in all the good stuff. To me, what I'm finding is a lot of the stuff that I have to ignore is a lot of the day-to-day macro, big-picture economic data, particularly the stuff that comes in from the government. 
the government data about unemployment and various different things, while it does move the market in the short term, I think long term, most of these things are forgotten within a week at best. So once again, let's learn to filter the noise, hone our own judgment and really listen to people. So that's another thing that podcasting is great for is you learn to listen. Obviously, guys like Eric Carabell or Jim Cramer, once again, they're going to throw out baseball players that they like. They're going to throw out stocks that they like. But you have to really listen and, and discern between the ones that they just kind of like, the ones that they're lukewarm on, and the ones they're saying, yeah, this is a once-in-a-generation type of player, or this is a unique stock opportunity where – the market has yet to catch up with the value and you need to pounce while the getting is good. Listen, folks, that is a big, that is a big lesson here today. Finally, let me tie up a loose end from the previous episode. Now, I'm sure there are some people who are somewhat aghast at what I was implying in the last episode about taxation. Some people are probably asking quite directly, are you saying that taxation is slavery? Well, no, actually, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not equating taxation to slavery. What I'm saying is the relationship, the nature of the relationship between taxation and slavery is, in fact, the same. However, the the difference is degree, which is an incredibly large degree. I'll grant you that. But the nature is still the same. See, if I can compare something, it's sort of like saying... You know, stealing a candy bar from a convenience store is stealing, but it's not as bad as embezzling millions of dollars from said convenience store, right? Well, it's still wrong. Stealing is still stealing. Just like Jeffrey Dahmer's a bad guy. He killed a dozen people and ate their innards for dessert. But is he as bad as Joseph Stalin or Pol Pot, who are responsible for the deaths of millions? Well, that's that's an argument. I would say, obviously, Pol Pot was worse. That's just me. That still doesn't make Dahmer a good guy. Do, do you follow my... you follow my... Re- well, here, let's go, let's go to a more realistic, concrete example here. Let's get back to Colin Kaepernick. I'm sure Mr. Kaepernick, as a longtime, at this point, resident of California, at least particularly his, his days of making millions of dollars as far as I can tell, have all been in California. He's only played for the Niners, right? Okay. So in that case, California resident, his effective tax rates, particularly to include the state of California, his federal income tax burden, his property taxes, whatever those are, his local taxes in the Bay Area, I'm sure it's been upwards of, if not over 50%, has been his effective tax rate. So one way of looking at that is, you could say, well, every half of all my paychecks get taken. Another way to look at that is, for the first half of the year, you're not working for yourself. For the first half of any year that Colin Kaepernick played in the NFL and paid millions of dollars into the system, he essentially worked for us. By us, I mean anyone who is receiving benefits from the government, essentially. He's essentially working for the government. Okay? Does anybody want to argue with that? If you're paying 50% of your income every year, and he owns himself, by the way, so he is being forced to pay his income to the government. Now, of course, Colin Kaepernick is a free man. 
for all intents and purposes. He's living a great life. No question about that. He's got tons of property, I'm sure, if he wants to anyway. He's got tons of money. He should have, I don't know, a pretty girlfriend. What do I know? He's a famous guy. Life should be pretty good for Colin Kaepernick. Certainly compared to actual enslaved people in the early parts of this country's history, there is no comparison. No question about that. But once again, it's about choice, isn't it? Does Colin Kaepernick have a choice to opt out of these confiscatory tax rates? Does he get to say, eh, you know what, state of California, I'm good. I actually don't want to pay those. No, absolutely not. If he doesn't, if he doesn't pay those taxes, we know what's going to happen to him. Ask Wesley Snipes. If he doesn't, if he doesn't pay his taxes, eventually men with guns are going to come to his house and demand it. And then what happens if he again refuses? At some point, they're going to have to aggress upon Mr. Kaepernick and possibly shoot him if he runs. I know that sounds extreme, but that is the logical progression of what the government and the taxation arm of any government is. At a certain point, you have no choice, and if you try to make a different choice, we will kill you. That is not insane. That is the absolute logical progression of how this works. Now, having said all that, I'd like to make one, one more point. Not only, and it goes along with the idea that freedom in, in, in terms of property rights, as I've tried to explain these last couple episodes, is not exclusionary of ideas. You see, I made fun of Colin Kaepernick for his Fidel Castro shirts. I believe they were Fidel shirts. Maybe they were Che Guevara shirts. Either way, the point remains the same. I think that's silly, frankly. I think that's ignorant at best. But having said that, that doesn't mean that I don't think that Mr. Kaepernick, if he wants to get together with a bunch of his like-minded friends, acquaintances, other, other people who want to freely get together with him and form their own, for example, a healthcare collective or form a security, uh, a sort of a security arm for regular people that is privately funded by people like Kaepernick outside of our current publicly funded government monopoly of a police system. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing about freedom and property rights and individual agreement that says that you cannot do that. What it says is you can't force somebody like me or anyone else who disagrees with your plan to be a part of it. And not just them, their property, their money, their hard-earned wealth. Once again, my property is 100% mine just as your property is 100% yours. Just as my body is 100% mine and is my property, so is yours. And any, any digression from that is frankly aggression, period, end of story. And that is something that, frankly, the Fidel Castros of the world and the Che Guevara's of the world either never understood or didn't care about because they're immoral pieces of S. How about that? We're ending with a non-curse word. So strong. All right. I think that's as good a spot to end as any. What do you guys think? I'll see you guys next time on the Everybody Trades Podcast.